It's one of our biggest fears. Because this is something that I think a lot of New Zealanders are terrified of. The government's being warned to prepare for a dementia tidal wave that will cost the country billions as the number of sufferers trebles in the next 30 years. As the population grows and ages, it's estimated that the number of people in New Zealand living with dementia will rise from around 70,000 today to more than 170,000 by 2050. 170,000 people affected by dementia within 30 years and the costs are huge. With total costs to the New Zealand economy rising from $1.6 billion today to $4.6 billion by 2050. We know a bit about it. Here's neuroscientist Dr Bridget Ryan talking to Newstalk ZB's Kerry McIver. When we talk about dementia, most people think um, immediately of Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And that's because Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia. But there are many other conditions that, that cause dementia as well. But there's a lot we don't know. This rise in global numbers of people with dementia and the burden of the illness as well as the fact that currently there is no cure for the illness makes it extremely important for us to focus our attention on reducing the risk of dementia. So no cure and the numbers are soaring. Yet one of the key organisations leading the research into prevention and treatment is under threat. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on the Detail Brain Research New Zealand is losing its status as a centre of research excellence and the millions of dollars that go with it. We look at what that means in the war against dementia. The most ambitious, wonderful idea was to establish a, a series of clinics in Auckland, Christchurch and Dunedin called the Dementia Prevention Research Clinics. That's Sir Richard Fall, head of the Centre of Brain Research at Auckland University. He's also in charge of Māori engagement and fundraising for Brain Research NZ, and he's talking here about a project set up by the organisation. The whole mission there was to get about 400 people enrolled and assessed who were in the very earliest stages of of Alzheimer's, what we call mild cognitive impairment, where they're just showing a few hints, and take them together with normal people and then trial all sorts of combinations of care so that we could slow down the progression. With 400-odd people, you see, you've got a good number, which is going to be statistically significant, to see what combination... It's not just a pill... But it's going to be a combination of food, of looking at patterns of life, of looking at the role of music, and all whole everything that that, that may affect your your intellectual life as you go forward. So those are up and running. One of the most wonderful things. Those are up and running. You cannot believe that this is a very ambitious project. So we got, had to get neurologists, psychologists. Um, imaging people, set up a blood bank so that we could sample all their bloods in different ways and do MRIs. And so it's a very complicated and and a marvellously ambitious people. But instead of looking at brains after a person dies, you're monitoring them during their life. Mm. And that's the magic of it. Why New Zealand? Because we're, it's about New Zealand. And what's the Aotearoa New Zealand? It's not only just... It's not only European or Caucasian, but there's Maori and there's Pacific to it, all the other. So we were inclusive of that. And um, that's why we're quite different to Australia or any similar 
clinics in Britain or whatever. We were doing it for New Zealand, you see. Yeah. And we got to the stage where we developed this, which we were starting to do the first lots of research. But, of course, it needs to go out. It took about four years to get them off the ground and get them coordinated. And, and then we were going to go into the golden years of it now, you see. And in um, their wisdom... Um, tech and all their different um, advisory committees decided that we didn't need funding for the next eight years, but they were going to give it to someone else, which they've done, and that's fair enough. I mean, there's the problem. The main problem here is that lack of financial involvement in research, you know. When he talks about TEC, he means the Tertiary Education Commission, the body that gives out nearly $50 million a year to Centres of Research Excellence, or CORE. In 2015, Brain Research NZ received $30 million spread over six years. That ends in June next year, and it's been unsuccessful in the latest funding round. Sir Richard says... It's myopic in the extreme. It's a no-brainer that you've got to... Having made the investment, let's now reap the rewards of the investment. Being able to benefit and give people hope... One of the tragic, I mean, we've got a wonderful government who's dealt with COVID-19 superbly and wonderful in so many respects. The one thing they have not done is actually labelled dementia and Alzheimer's as a national priority. I mean, most of the Western countries have done that. So that's it's a great pity. And that's been reflected in cutting out the funding for this. One cannot understand it. So let's look a bit closer at Brain Research NZ and how it all began. My name is Cliff Abram. I'm the co-director of Brain Research New Zealand, Rangahauroa Aotearoa. I work uh, in the psychology department at the University of Otago, where I've been for a long time since uh, immigrating from the United States. Cliff Abraham's been studying brains since he came here 40 years ago. The fascination of the brain is basically how complex it is. In a small amount of tissue, the, the amount of activity and things that the brain actually undertakes and accomplishes for us as people is massive and massively complicated. So you can imagine that when things go wrong, it would be as complicated, if not more, to find out ways to fix fix the problems. And so um, a lot more is known about things that can be done from a lifestyle point of view. There are five main things to focus on. So that's uh, diet, um, exercise in terms of physical exercise, also exercising our brains, yep. uh, heart health, and also being connected socially. So those five things are the things we really focus on in terms of things everybody can do to try and reduce their risk of dementia. There are some drugs on the market that, uh, in the case of Alzheimer's disease, that say that we know can uh, improve cognition, but that don't really stop the inevitable decline in function. Um, and so we're still a long ways from finding therapies that actually are disease-modifying, as we call them, that would slow or prevent uh, the disease from taking hold. And of course, Alzheimer's is only one form of dementia. There are many other forms of dementia and also other forms of neurological disorders um, that are related to aging. Can you explain to me who is actually doing brain research right now in New Zealand? It's slightly complicated, um, you might say. There's various uh, local centres of activity spread across the country, primarily um, at Auckland and Otago uh, medical schools and, and associated departments in the universities, but also uh, through University of Canterbury and also at AUT, 
and and some other pockets of activity at other universities. They will all be getting their funding from various um, national sources of funding, like the Health Research Council and the Marsden Fund. Brain Research New Zealand itself is basically been tasked by the government with a large additional source of funding that to provide to these researchers spread across the country to um, jumpstart the activity and push it along further and faster than it would otherwise, in part by promoting collaborations between the people in these centers rather than having more localized pockets of uh, research activity. So for the very first time in history, brain researchers across New Zealand were brought together for a common goal. And the common goal was to actually try and see if we could do something to um, attack ageing brain diseases, especially dementia and Alzheimer's disease, but also Parkinson's and Huntington's and others. And instead of competing, instead of Auckland University competing with Otago University, it was saying, well, let's work for the common good. And that was the wonderful gem of it. And that's why it's called a National Centre of Research Excellence, of which there are a number, of course, in New Zealand. And um, this is one that is meant to encourage and adapt as, adopt as an ethos multi-institutional, multidisciplinary collaborations to get things, get the research going further and faster. So when it was set up in 2015, were you thinking this would be a long-term, ongoing project? We hope so, of course. And some cores have been continuing for you know, over 20 years. Um, so... We, we hope to be one of those, uh, but we always understood that this was a competitive process and that after six years, there would be another bidding process. And it was, of course, our aim to, to kind of succeed in the, in the next round of competition. And with that in mind, we had set up some long-term projects um, that would ex- extend beyond the six years um, in anticipation of getting refunded. So, yeah, it's a fact of life that sometimes you don't win in a competition, but it's also disappointing that we can't maintain some of this momentum that we've been generating um, over the past six years. A keystone long-term project is the Dementia Prevention Research Clinic Sir Richard referred to earlier. That was one of our major efforts. We accumulated quite a large kind of professional workforce. We have um, philanthropists have been donating money on top of our core money to get this working and humming. But also we have an extensive program of support and mentoring for the early career researchers, including uh, enhancing and increasing our Maori and Pacific researcher complements and uh, clinical researcher complements. So uh, these programs, hopefully there'll be a legacy of this, but unfortunately we won't easily be able to keep them um, going in the same shape that we have so far. And how important are the clinics that you've set up in terms of tackling dementia? They have two primary aims and one is to understand the predictors and biomarkers and what might be modifiable or treatable aspects of the person's lifestyle or of their physiology or biology that we could um, use to slow the course, if not prevent the course into dementia. And also, it's also, they provide a pool of participants for small trials that we might uh, are just beginning to kind of get going. So this kind of work also happens overseas. But we, we have our own particular mix of, of ethnicities and people in New Zealand. And it's quite critical to our whole exercise 
uh, with an immense amount of effort uh, going in by various people to uh, get these clinics up and running. So I think they're certainly hugely important. And, you know, we need to find other ways to keep them going as as best we can for as long as we can. Why is it so important that New Zealand does its own research? I mean, dementia is happening. It's a worldwide problem. So why couldn't you just tap into research from other countries that have got more money, bigger populations, just use the information that they're getting from their own studies? That's a question that sometimes politicians ask as well. You could just about ask that about almost any area of research um, in New Zealand. What it ignores by inference is that these are big problems that have not been solved yet. We have really smart and bright individuals here in New Zealand that have ideas that are not found elsewhere in the world. And we have the opportunity to um, help them express those ideas and research those ideas. And we also have a unique cultural mix. And this is one of the things that we've, we were aiming in the, um, the next version of our core is to significantly understand the prevalence of dementia, for example, amongst Maori and Pacific peoples. Maori and Pacific seem to present at the memory service younger, and we don't know why that is. We are um, looking to develop a, an app. It's like a riskometer in a way that we want people will be able to assess what their risk of dementia is. If people do have relatives with dementia, they would be able to use it to find out where the services are in the local area and where the culturally appropriate services are and also to recruit cohorts of them into the clinics, especially for Māori. So we have our own questions that are unique to New Zealand, in addition to the larger overriding questions which apply to everyone. But we need to be engaged in this process, and we need to be engaged, of course, with international researchers and collaborators. But we can make a difference here in New Zealand, and in, in some of the things that we find will be useful elsewhere in the world too. We're not just a typical European population. We are a population of a diverse people. But what is it? what's indigenous to New Zealand? It's Maori and Pacific. And they are involved in the clinic. You know, their whole culture means that our attack on this problem will have to be different to what it's done somewhere else. You know, you just can't rely on, say, sit back and wait for what's the equivalent clinics in the US or Europe are going to come out. And we are, we are we're working with those. We're working the ones in Australia. We're having input from the ones in the UK. So we are, it's not as if we're going it alone. We're going in partnership. Mm. And the other thing, which I haven't told you about, our other secret is that we have engaged with Māori in the most wonderful way, gone out onto Marae, trying to put all of our research and put it in a Māori context in particular because my ancestry goes back to Ngāti Ngāti Rahiri in Taranaki. I grew up in a little farm down there and with strong Māori roots, which are the most wonderful things, thing in the world about my whole background. We are not just doing something to give hope to a... a a European or Caucasian community, we're, doing, we're giving hope to Aotearoa New Zealand community, and mm. that's the magic of it. He mea nui te roro, he mea nui ngā roro ki a ngai Māori, kia noho wātea, kia pai, te mea ki te kore te taha hine ngā roo e tika, e kore te tina nei e tika, e kore te ngā kau e tika. 
That's a young student at Auckland's Te Kura Kaupapa Māori or Huana Waititi Marae. Brain Research New Zealand has been essential in lighting a fire within our students. They now see that they do have a place in the science world, they do have a place at university and they can follow their goals. Here. This student is saying they learn about the different brain diseases from neuroscientists and they want to spread awareness so that people know the devastating number of Māori who are affected by these illnesses. The programme is led by Dr Hinemore Elder. Those partnerships um, serve a number of functions. They make us accountable and make sure that we are kanohi ki kanohi, face-to-face with Māori communities. And so we are making, trying to make ourselves accessible. We're trying to make sure that people can ask us questions, can tell us the kind of research that they think should be occurring. And this has been an interesting initiative in a sense because on one hand you might say, well, these are students and what does that have to do with the ageing brain? But for a start, it gives them insights into science in this area and how science is done. And some of them have come to our conferences and visited labs. But also, of course, they're very connected and tied intergenerationally to their komachua and kuya. And understanding more about what's happening to their parents and grandparents, in a way, I think we, we hope helps them with their um, community engagements um, with their morai and with their elders. And so we hope that there's a kind of a long-term benefit from engaging with uh, the students at the Kokora. I'm reading a story here that said that you you are surprised and disappointed that you've lost your main source of funding. So you had no idea that you were going to miss out? We were we were certainly optimistic and we thought we had ticked I wouldn't call them tick boxes, but we'd achieved the objectives that we had set out for ourselves in the first six years by and large. And the feedback we had been getting from various quarters was uniformly positive really. So we we thought we were in the game for sure. Were you told why? No, we have received no feedback. Uh, you know, it's an interesting point. We were actually quite keen to hear why, but uh, it was in the guidelines right from the start that there would be no feedback. And does it mean now that this centre of research excellence, you no longer exist, or from June, you won't be a centre of research excellence? Well, it, we won't be one of the 10 funded uh, centres of research excellence. That's, that is true. What we are working through now is uh, what can we do to um, uh, continue the ethos of what we've achieved, continue some of the initiatives, and not just disappear uh, into the night. Without this funding, you're not going to be as advanced as you wanted to be. Well, simply put, yes, that, that is the impact. Some of the initiatives may, may never get off the ground. We will struggle to keep others going. Funding for PhDs and postdocs and specifically targeted funding for Maori and Pacific trainees and early career researchers will go backwards. So, yes, it just puts us back, basically back to where we were before uh, we started 
before 2015? We are going to have to somehow or another get sufficient monies, and we need about a million dollars a year at least to keep the clinics going in one form or another. We're going to have to trim them down as much as we can. We'd like to keep the three clinics going, but um, that may not be possible. We may have to, say, have one in the North Island, one in the South Island. And so with this funding gone, will it set back your... Oh, yeah, there's no, no question. It will. It's unquestioned it's going to affect our progress forward. I've been in brain research for well over 40 years. We've got a human brain bank going in our centre. We're working with the neurosurgeons. We are millennia ahead. But you see, we can't lose this battle. There's no point in growing old if if it's just going to mean a, a longer part of your life when you don't know who you are. We're all concerned about climate change. That's the future. And we're concerned about all other things which are impacting on our life and so on. Well, one of the things that we should all be right at the, at the very heart of that we should be concerned about is looking after our ageing people so that they can con- continue to contribute as they want to. And Maori have the most beautiful example ever. They, they didn't even have a term for dementia in their, in their vocab because... They just look after their people who are ageing because they are considered the reservoirs of knowledge. They are the wisdom. Those are the people they go to, even if they do suffer some memory loss. In other cultures, European cultures, we don't hold the elderly in the same prestigious position as Māori do. And that's that's another thing we can learn, you see. So it's another eight years before... You yeah. might get more funding through call. Yes. Oh, we'll time. move on by then. We can't. Um, we've had six years of this wonderful funding. They only give out 10, and it's across all of science. And this is a drop in the bucket compared to what they spend on a weekly basis to support, um, you know, health care for COVID, the whole COVID crisis. So, you know, as, as Rutherford said, we don't have any money, but so therefore we have to use our brains. I approached the Tertiary Education Commission to find out why Brain Research NZ missed out on the funding. In a statement, the TEC explained the highly contestable selection process, but didn't explicitly say why Brain Research missed out. Of 31 proposals from institutions doing world-leading work, only 10 were successful. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Alexia Russell with Jesse Chang as the associate producer. And thanks to Sir Richard Fall and Cliff Abraham. Kakite anō.